Welcome to Episode 9 in the Lives of the Saints second series. I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church. In this episode, I pay tribute to St. John Chrysostom, whose feast day is January 27th. The name Chrysostom is Greek for golden mouth, a name given him about 50 years after his death in recognition of his formidable talent as a pulpit orator, perhaps the greatest of his day. St. John the Golden Mouth was born to a prosperous family in about 347 or 349 A.D. For the purpose of indicating his age in this series, I will use the earlier date, 347 A.D. The place of his birth was Antioch, once part of Syria and now part of Turkey. Antioch was the second see of the early church, founded by St. Paul and St. Barnabas in the mid-first century. His father, Secundus, a prominent civil servant, died not long after St. John's birth, leaving his mother, Anthusa, to raise and provide for the child. Anthusa, a devout Christian, refused to remarry and provided her son with a classical education at home that included mathematics, grammar, and rhetoric. Although Latin was the official language of the Byzantine imperial court, St. John was taught to write and speak in Greek. His later teachers were some of the most prominent churchmen of the mid-fourth century. The illustration for this and the next slide is an early 16th century Russian Orthodox icon of St. John, dressed as a bishop, painted by the renowned icon artist Dionysius. Instead of the potentially prosperous career in the law which his mother preferred for him, St. John chose instead to be baptized into the church. At about age 20, he entered a desert monastery far from Antioch, where for four years he lived the isolated, disciplined life of a hermit. The combination of the austere life and the monastery's restricted diet led to the failure of his health and his return to Antioch. For the rest of his life, St. John suffered from severe stomach ailments and from insomnia. Back in Antioch, now about age 25, he became a lay reader. Not long afterward, he was ordained a deacon where his real talents emerged. He helped organize the bishop's schedule, wrote pamphlets for the teaching of catechumens, which in Anglican terms means candidates for confirmation, on the topics of baptism and of the Christian virtues. In 386 A.D., at age 39, St. John was ordained to the priesthood at the Great Church at Antioch, then one of the largest churches in the Christian world, described by the early church historian Eusebius in chapter 50 of his life of Constantine. His first homily as a priest is full of the dramatic tricks of oratory that give a hint of the reasons for his eventual fame as a public speaker. He began by saying that he, a sinner, 
must be dreaming to be speaking before the congregation of the great church at Antioch, and smoothly moved then into a eulogy to Bishop Flavian, and ended by asking the people to pray for him for relief from the pressure of the, quote, formidably crushing yoke, unquote, which had been placed on his shoulders. The most memorable phrase in the original address foreshadowed his eventual demise. Nothing, nothing so impedes our advance to heaven as wealth and all the evils which flow from it. The illustration for this and the next slide is an 11th century soapstone bas-relief with gold highlights, which was made in Constantinople and currently is in the collection of the Louvre in Paris. He served at Antioch for 12 years. Throughout that time, he always spoke without notes of any kind, relying upon his immense knowledge of Scripture that he learned during his years in the monastery. It was said of St. John that he could recall from memory the entire Septuagint, or the meaning the Greek Old Testament, uh, particularly the version of the Psalter, and most of the New Testament. He was not a theologian in the modern sense, but he had the ability to make the complex theological and doctrinal beliefs of the church understandable by the people. In 398 A.D., when he was about 51 years old, he was ordained against his objections, and some cases, some say without his knowledge, as the 12th bishop of Constantinople. And the proper church term for that is not ordained, but consecrated. As at Antioch, his homilies drew large audiences, filling the church every Sunday. He introduced the nocturne prayers, which I will read in episode 10, which required late-night attendance at the church. He condemned excesses of wealth and public immorality, citing especially the city's racetracks and theaters. He removed bishops in outlying jurisdictions about whom he had received evidence of corruption. Owing to his gastrointestinal problems caused by his years at the monastery, he always dined alone, which meant he did not encourage the kind of sumptuous feasts favored by his predecessors, further pointing out that these kinds of feasts were inappropriate when there was so much poverty in the imperial city. It was said that poverty in Constantinople at that time was extreme, and that the poor occasionally defaced themselves in order to become objects of attraction in order to receive donations in the streets. Chrysostom sponsored the construction of hospitals for the poor in Constantinople. The illustration is an 1865 A.D. fresco of St. John by Cesare Mariani at the Chiesa Santa Maria in Aquiro, Rome, Italy. As long it was as as it was other bishops and other clergy who opposed his austere style and his removal of corrupt bishops in outlying jurisdictions, he was relatively safe. 
But St. John's fortunes changed when he incurred the wrath of the emperor's wife, Eudoxia. In one of his homilies, he used the name Jezebel from the Old Testament to describe unbecoming conduct. She was sure, in spite of his denials, that he meant her. She allied herself with St. John's many opponents in the church. The illustration is an 18th century oil-on-canvas painting depicting St. John celebrating the Divine Liturgy, which in Anglican terms is Holy Communion. In 403 A.D., as a result of Eudoxia's complaint, he was arrested and charged with corruption and the illegal removal of bishops. There were near riots throughout the city of Constantinople protesting his removal. Nonetheless, he was tried, convicted, stripped of office, and sent into exile far away from Constantinople in the Cappadocia region. In exile, he continued to receive visitors from the imperial capital and wrote to other bishops, including the Bishop of Rome, asking for their intervention on his behalf. His popularity with the people caused the church and the imperial government to bring him back to Constantinople and restore him to his office. But his return was short-lived. Within a year or so, after he directly criticized as paganism, Eudoxia causing a statue to herself to be erected in the city, he was exiled a second time. The illustration for this and the next slide is a stained-glass window at St. John's Basilica in North Brabant, Belgium, one of a set of four windows of the doctors of the church in the Roman Catholic tradition. On his second exile, he was sent far away from the imperial city to the Caucasus Mountains in the region today part of Abkhazia and the Republic of Georgia. Under orders from the imperial court, he was forced to march daily outside, often in inadequate clothing, and was barred from receiving visitors and kept from any contact by letter with Constantinople. His poor health and probably an infection contracted during those forced daily marches, often in the rain, that led to his death at Comana Pontica in 407 A.D. The last words of St. John Chrysostom upon his death were, Glory be to God for all things. His legacy of pamphlets, letters, and homilies is enormous. Everything from his famous lecture, on the priesthood still given today to those being ordained, to his instructions on baptism and instructions for children in the Christian virtues, 67 verse-by-verse homilies on Genesis, 90 on Matthew, 88 on St. John, 32 on Romans, 14 on 1 Corinthians, 30 on 2 Corinthians, 6 on Galatians, 24 on Ephesians, 16 together on the two letters to the Thessalonians, 15 on Philippians, 12 on Colossians, 2 on Philemon, 
18 on 1 Timothy, 10 on 2 Timothy, 6 on Titus, and unlike most of his contemporaries, he devoted 55 homilies to Acts of the Apostles and 34 more to Hebrews. Of his verse-by-verse commentaries on the entire book of Psalms, only 48 homilies survive today. The illustration is a tempera and gold on vellum illumination from a collection of the homilies of St. John Chrysostom presented to the Byzantine Emperor Nisiphorus III with the Archangel Gabriel looking on at the Emperor's left. The original is at the Bibliothèque Nationale in Paris. Usually, I have read examples from the author's work in this series, but in this case, as I noted earlier, the readings are confined to episode 10. While no one, or almost no one, in the modern world can recall the name of the empress who deposed him, or the name of the clergymen who were allied with her, the fame of St. John the Golden Mouth lives on in both the Eastern Church and Western Church traditions. St. John Chrysostom is one of only four, quote, doctors, unquote, of the Church in the Roman Catholic tradition. The others are St. Basil of Caesarea, celebrated on June 14th, St. Athanasius, celebrated on May 2nd, and St. Gregory Nazianzen, whom we celebrated on January 25th. In the Eastern Church, as shown in the Eastern Orthodox icon with this slide, he is celebrated as he is celebrated as one of three hierarchs with Saint Basil of Caesarea and Saint Gregory Nazianzen. In traditional Anglican worship, the prayer of Saint Chrysostom is read near the end of morning and evening prayer. The remains of St. John Chrysostom were buried at Comana Pontus in Asia Minor, called Cocusus by the Orthodox Church, where he died in exile. His remains were returned to a place of honor at the Church of the Holy Apostles in Constantinople in 438 A.D. under the administration of the new emperor Theodosius II. An event depicted in the illustration which is an 11th century illumination from the Menologion of Basil II. There they remained alongside St. Gregory Nazianzen for the next 10 centuries until, in 1204 A.D., they were stolen and taken to Rome during the Fourth Crusade. His remains were returned to the Eastern Orthodox Church in November 2006 A.D., by Pope Benedict XVI and are given a place of honor in the Patriarchal Cathedral of St. George in Istanbul. The illustration is a Byzantine Orthodox mosaic of St. John, part of a set of two images which include Gregory Nazianzen. The collect for the Feast of St. John Chrysostom is from the 1963 edition of Lesser Feasts and Fasts. O God, who didst give grace to thy servant John, eloquently to declare thy righteousness in the great congregation, and fearlessly to bear reproach for the honor of thy name, mercifully grant unto all bishops and pastors such excellency in preaching and fidelity in ministering thy word, 
that thy people may be partakers with them of the glory that shall be revealed through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining me for episode 9 in the Lives of the Saints, second series commemorating the life and contributions of 35 saints from both the Eastern and the Western Church. Next time, in episode 10, I will continue the celebration of the life of St. John Chrysostom with the nocturne prayers and a selection of his writings. Episodes in this series and those of other teaching videos and seasonal videos are available through links on both our YouTube channel, https colon slash slash www.youtube.com slash c slash st john c with saint spelled out or at our newly designed website for which the full url is http colon slash slash www.anglicaninternetchurch.net at that site you'll find a digital library which gives links to all our seasonal videos and other videos bible study link which Similarly connects you to our Bible study series, the New Testament Gospels, and Revelation. Additional series are planned for later in A.D. 2017. The podcast homilies link gives access to the entire archive of about 575 MP3 podcast homilies, both for the Sundays in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer and on other topics. There is a virtual bookstore at the bottom center of the page, which has links for both the paperback and Kindle editions of all the AIC bookstore publications. Purchase of these books helps fund this internet ministry, with 100% of all book royalties contributed to the AIC. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you, May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our newly redesigned website, and use its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.